Welcome to the Forbidden Forest. This is James, and we are reading chapter 19 of the Blood Magic series, Small Victory. March 18th, 2008. Well, Draco thought, that had gone just as bad as he and his inner Bogart could have predicted. He was honestly surprised Harry hadn't tried to murder him, or at least beat the shit out of him. He had been so mad. And then he just stormed off into the forest in towering rage. The fucking forbidden forest, with no idea how far he was from anything. No winter clothes, no protection from the elements. Draco let out a yell of frustration. God damn it, Harry fucking Potter, that insufferable prat. First, he couldn't let Harry die because he had been the only one to know that he was in trouble. And now he was in the same fucking position because no one out there knew he was wandering aimlessly through a malevolent and unforgiving forest. Maybe he would send a Patronus to his friends, Draco reasoned. Draco paced the short length of the cottage a few dozen times before halting. He had felt in his pocket for a post-it note of hope, but instead he had felt the letter he had found next to Harry at Grimald Place. Pulling out the torn parchment, he braced himself to read what Harry had anticipated to be his last words. Hermione, it's okay if you don't understand. I love you and Ron and Rose more than anything, and I know you have a beautiful, happy life ahead of you. Don't waste time being sad. I've talked it over with Sirius. This is for the best. I'll be okay. Harry. The simple letter had clenched a tight fist around Draco's insides. He knew what he had to do, just as he knew when he'd read Harry's file. He needed to go out and find Harry. He was convinced that he would try and punch his lights out, but he couldn't just leave it like this. Maybe after Harry cooled off, he would... What? What did Draco think this would accomplish? Well, if anything, he thought, perhaps he could postpone Harry's suicide for another day. There was nothing for it. He pulled on his layers and stomped out the front door to try and follow Harry's footprints in the thin layer of old snow and detritus. God, he hoped Harry was okay. Frustration and anger was giving way to worry and slowly rising panic as he tramped through the thick woods. He was on a path he didn't recognize. Harry hadn't even set off in the general direction of Hogwarts, the hot-headed ass-kettle. Thinking quickly, Draco stopped, turned back to look at the cottage, and cast a honing charm. At least, now his wand would know how to get him home back to the cottage if he was out past dark. He really hoped he wouldn't be out past dark, alone, in the Forbidden Forest. This was not a good start to his sabbatical. Six hours in and things were already tits up. Snow had begun coming down lightly. What if Harry got lost and died of hypothermia? He had maybe three hours of daylight left. How would he even begin to explain this to someone if he had Harry's body on his hands to deal with? Draco did not want to think about it. He cast a warming charm on himself and pulled his scarf tighter around his neck and face. This was not pleasant weather for someone who had just nearly died to be wandering around in. Fear licked at his insides. He both wanted to find Harry as soon as possible and didn't want to face him. It seemed Harry was far easier to deal with when he was in a medically induced coma. Awake, furious, vulnerable, and embarrassed Harry in withdrawal from heroin was another bucket of flubberworms altogether. The leaves crunched underfoot and Draco scrutinized the path in front of him. 
The snow was beginning to obscure his footprints, and he had to take a deep breath and count to ten to try and quell the looping image of Harry lying dead under a blanket of snow that was replaying in his mind over and over again. Maybe he had disapparated. Probably not. Harry was probably too weak to disapparate such a long distance. And even if he could, there was the whole issue of his self-destructive behavior that had led him to a heroin-assisted suicide. Draco wondered if he should alert Granger in the event he couldn't find him. Or maybe Luna. This was her department, after all. Draco had been walking for nearly an hour when the path split and the snow had officially obscured the remainder of Harry's trail. Fuck. He took a deep breath, trying to fight the urge to cry and laugh maniacally. It would be Potter that pushed him right over the edge into insanity. He rubbed his face roughly, trying to warm his cheeks and hope for some inspiration. Come on, Draco, he moaned to himself. You stalked this prat for nearly seven years in school. Use your inner Potter locating skills and find this nuisance of a man before he dies of exposure. Finally opening his eyes, he reassessed the two paths to look for signs of recent traversing. A twig snapped behind him and he whirled around. He had nearly forgotten that he was in a dangerous wilderness full of wild, magical, and non-magical creatures that could easily kill him with no one being any the wiser. After staring into the thicket of trees he had recently exited before coming to the fork, he was shocked to see a Thestral meander slowly out towards him, and behind it, her little foal. Odd, Draco thought. He knew there were plenty of Thestrals in the forest and that they were essentially harmless, but the sight of their milky glass eyes staring through him made him feel a bit creeped out at the best of times. Have you seen someone blundering about with an emotional range of a teaspoon? He asked the Thestral, stupidly. He felt compelled to break the silence, and talking to it seemed to make more sense than ignoring it. How do you ignore one of these things anyways? They look so ominous. The Thestral just continued its slow ambling towards Draco. He watched as it passed him. He watched as it passed by him so close that Draco had to take a step back to allow it forward on the path without brushing against it. As the little foal scrambled to keep up, it sniffed at Draco hopefully before moving along to follow its mother. At the fork, the Thestral lifted its head to smell the air before choosing the path to the left. He watched it walk slowly away before realizing something horrifying. Thestrals were drawn to the smell of blood. Were they being drawn towards Harry? Was he injured? Fuck. Maybe they were just smelling their next meal, but Draco didn't want to chance that next meal being the body of the golden boy. He decided to hurry along the path after the Thestrals. They didn't seem to be too concerned that Draco scooted past them and ran ahead. After 20 minutes of jogging, the path opened up into a little clearing with a few old fallen trees. On the other side of a rather large log at the opposite side of the clearing, Draco saw the familiar sight of a rat's nest of hair slumped against a fallen tree. Oh, thank fuck, was Draco's first thought. Fuck not again, was his second Draco darted over to Harry to check his vitals. He was freezing. There was a puddle of foamy bile next to him, and he had had a nasty nosebleed that was drying down the front of his face and chest. No wonder the Thestrals were interested. Draco felt his pulse. It was racing. Harry's withdrawal was going to be going on for a while, and he wasn't surprised that Harry had passed out after a bit of exertion. He cast a Scourgeify on the blood to keep the Thestrals and other wild animals at bay, then the strongest warming charm he could before drying Harry's clothes. After the basics were taken care of, he braced himself to wake Harry up. 
With the probability of another row pretty high, he decided not to have his face a mere six inches away from him and backed up before casting an innervate. Harry moaned and furrowed his eyebrows, but didn't open his eyes. Draco felt stupid for not bringing some potions with him. He must be in a lot of pain. But Draco had left in too much of a hurry. Potter? he asked warily. Mm, was all Harry managed. Potter, what happened? Fell over, he mumbled, rubbing the heels of his hands into his eyes and drawing his knees up to his chest. Why are you here? You think I was going to let you wander off into the fucking forbidden forest in a snowstorm in your state? How much of an asshole do you think I am? Enough of an asshole to pitch up at all, he slung. Draco sighed. You can hate me all you want, Potter, but I'm not going to be complicit in this. I couldn't disapparate, Harry said after a long pause. He still hadn't looked at Draco. I tried to disapparate. I suspected as much. Your magic has probably taken a huge hit, he said, risking moving a little closer. He finally looked up at Draco. I can't use it at all. His face was blank, resigned. What do you mean, at all? Draco asked. Harry had a pinched and sick look on his face. Like it's gone. Couldn't cast my Patronus. Couldn't disapparate. Couldn't cast a warming charm. Nothing. He sighed heavily, like this admission had been painful. Then I got dizzy, puked, and then I don't remember. Can you stand? Do you think you could walk? Draco asked. He didn't want to risk disapparating them both. Harry was obviously unstable, yet he was feeling antsy to get back to the cottage before dark, and they only had just over an hour of light left. He heard the Thestrals enter the clearing behind him. Yeah, then you could apparate me home. It was a statement, an imperial decree, and Draco felt all his alarm bells going off. No, Draco said with wide eyes. No, Harry asked acidly. You can't just keep me here, Malfoy. He spit the name Malfoy at him like an insult, and then suddenly Harry was furious again, all sleepy confusion gone, just rage in his eyes. He looked like he was about to rip Draco's throat out if he got near enough. You tried to kill yourself today. Twice. You're clearly incapable of making responsible, informed decisions for yourself at the moment, Draco yelled, getting to his feet and gesticulating wildly. Your behavior is erratic, and you're clearly trying to get back to your hovel to use again, where you will most likely die as a result. So, no. He took one more step back for good measure. He didn't feel like getting into a brawl just now. Harry gaped at him, mouth open and closing like a pissed-off goldfish, not able to find the right insults to throw at him. Just fucking take me back, he eventually yelled. He was clearly too weak to actually attack Draco, but he could see the consideration Harry was giving it. No. Well, I'm not going with you to your stupid fucking cabin. I can't believe you fucking kidnapped me and brought me out here of all places. Why the fuck are we in the Forbidden Forest anyways? Harry was turning a blotchy shade of purple with anger and indignation. Yeah, well, I can't believe no one at the hospital picked up what was going on with you and sent you home with orders for bed rest, but here we are, Draco finished dramatically, indicating how unbelievable their predicament was, completely ignoring Harry's second question. Harry glared at Draco. I'm not coming with you, Malfoy. You literally have two options, Potter, Draco started. Come with me to my stupid fucking cabin where I can help you finish withdrawing safely or stay here and freeze to death and let the Thestrals eat you. He finished, pointing over his shoulder with his thumb at the two Thestrals that were watching the scene with quiet interest. That's it. 
Draco held his eyes for what felt like an uncomfortably long time. Eventually, Harry glanced past Draco towards the Thestrals, eyebrows still furrowed in anger and mouth in a hard line. After a beat, he looked up at Draco, something shifting subtly in his face, something that looked a lot like fear. They just looked at one another. Harry seemed to be examining him with a look of deep concentration, the lines on his face drawn into a serious glower. What if I can't do it? He asked, looking away. His knees were drawn up to his chest, his arms around them, curling into himself as tightly as possible. There's only one way to find out, isn't there? Draco finally said after a pause. His insides twisted violently at the vulnerability of Harry's position. If he were in this situation, he too would be weighing the pros and cons of allowing Thestrals to eat his body in the woods, rather than try and cope with the reality of what he was being faced with. Draco took a deep, steadying breath. He was a Slytherin, and he knew what he would need if he were in Harry's shoes. He would need an offering, a show of solidarity, a fuck-up for a fuck-up, tit-for-tat. He had seen Harry in a moment of despair, of vulnerability, and he would have to let him see a part of that in himself before he had a hope of convincing him to live for another day. He knew the man was too seriously considering staying in the woods to die alone, as he had intended to do in Grimald Place, and Draco couldn't give up yet. I tried to kill myself in eighth year, Draco said evenly. Harry tilted his head slightly in response, considering the statement. He rolled up his sleeve to show his dark mark and the long scar that stretched along it from his wrist to the inner crook of his elbow. It was during Christmas holiday at the manor. Pansy found me. She was so pissed off that I had asked her to spend Christmas with me and then decided to kill myself anyways that she moved to France. We communicate exclusively through holiday greeting cards now. But why do you have a scar? Couldn't they fix that? Harry asked as if he was solving a riddle instead of discussing death. Oh, my mother refused to take me to the hospital, he told him, as he recovered his arm. She thought it would make us look bad if people found out, make us seem weak after everything that had happened. It's very unbefitting of a Malfoy to do something so plebeian as wrist-slitting. I mean, I didn't even use magic. Drago smirked without humor and crossed his arms. So, she called a private healer who could be discreet. But by the time he got there, he couldn't do anything about the scar. Once I came to, she acted as though nothing had happened, like everything was fine, like her son hadn't just tried to off himself in the rose garden. Harry stared back without comment. They looked at one another for a long while. The rose garden, really, Harry asked, breaking the silence. How dramatic. Draco rolled his eyes. Quite, he said, examining his fingers. He weighed his words before speaking again. What I'm trying to say is that you're not the only one who fell down after the war and didn't want to get back up again. Draco didn't look up to meet Harry's eyes. They sat in silence again for what felt like an eternity, Draco resisting the urge to chivy Harry into making a decision because he was feeling antsy about the amount of daylight they had left. But he knew the silence was heavy with real deliberation, and he didn't want to interrupt Harry's processing by being impatient. Harry eventually looked up at Draco and stared at him. It felt like he was being picked apart piece by piece and examined for faults. Why are you doing this? Harry asked, none too gentle. Draco weighed his words again. Like I said, I can't be complicit in this. Call it my duty as a healer, call it the fact that you've saved my ass a fair few times, or call it my poor decision-making skills that I do stupid shit when you're involved. You choose. 
Harry didn't respond. He didn't seem satisfied with that answer, but he didn't press it either. He just sat there, fidgeting with twigs and wet leaves strewn around him. Draco's restraint finally broke. Well, if you're done pondering the meaning of life, we've got about 45 minutes until dark, and it'll take us twice that long to get back. What if I decided I want to be eaten by Thestrals? Harry asked a bit too seriously. Well, then I'd say you're a bit of a dick for not telling me sooner so I could get back before dark, Draco said, not being able to resist goading him. He thought he saw Harry's mouth twitch in response. You're a right git, you know that, he said with only half the amount of venom. Yes, and you're a right ray of sunshine, are you? He asked, eyebrows raised in question. Harry sighed heavily, the fight bleeding from his body, his shoulders slumping. Fine, he said. I'll come to your stupid fucking cabin. Well, thank Merlin's sagging testicles for that. Let's go then, Draco said, running his hand over his face in relief. Harry looked awkward and embarrassed again. I don't feel too great. I'm sure you don't, Draco said kindly. I'll help you get there. Don't worry about it. He walked closer to Harry, no longer fearing physical retribution, and held out his hand to help him up. Harry looked at the proffered hand and seemed to consider rejecting the offer of help, but eventually he took Draco's hand and was slowly hauled to his feet. Harry looked like a wreck, and he seemed wobbly on his feet. It seemed he was running on pure adrenaline and panic when he had left the cottage, and now he had no fuel left. He clutched at Draco's arm for support, and he tried to straighten himself out to begin walking. Draco noticed he shivered slightly, and he pulled off his hat and scarf and began shoving them onto Potter's wasted frame. Fuck off, I'm fine, Harry tried to protest. Draco just clicked at him disapprovingly, taking advantage of Harry's weakened state to firmly wrap the scarf around him. Without warning, he pulled out his wand and cast another drawing charm and warming charm on Harry. Let me know when you need another warming charm, he said, as Harry yelped in shock. Jeez, Malfoy, warn me next time, will you? Draco didn't respond. He looped his arm through Harry's, trying to make it seem like a totally ordinary thing that they did often, so Harry wouldn't feel any more awkward than he needed to, and they began the slow walk back to the cottage. As they passed the Thestrals, Draco nodded his thanks and brushed his hand along the snout of the foal. Harry didn't comment. The Thestrals watched him walk along the path and out of sight. Night had begun to fall by the time they reached the fork in the path. Fuck, Draco thought. At this rate, it would take them another two hours in the dark before they made it. Harry had to walk slowly. There was nothing for it. He'd had to stop twice already to lean against a tree, to calm the buzzing in his ears and fend off the urge to dry heave. He really didn't look good. This foray into the wilderness was probably the last thing he needed on his precarious path to recovery. I have a suggestion, Draco announced when dusk had settled around them and Harry had stopped for a third time. What? Harry breathed. How about I levitate you there? I can conjure a stretcher. We do it at St. Mungo's all the time, Draco suggested calmly, channeling his inner Severus, knowing this suggestion could make Harry feel angry and overly self-aware again. But apparently, the gods were smiling down on Draco. That or Harry was feeling even more fucked than he looked, because he just shrugged his acquiescence and said, sure, whatever. Trying not to let on how relieved this made him, Draco turned his wand on Harry, whispered the spell, and watched as he floated off the ground and tipped back to be wrapped snugly onto the stretcher. Well, this is fucking weird, Harry mused, tiredly, almost smiling. I'm sure it is. Draco did smile a little. Let me know if you're feeling motion sick and need to stop. 
Maybe you can even sleep a bit if I keep it still enough. Harry grunted his acknowledgement. He had already closed his eyes and nestled back into the spell holding him up. After feeling fairly confident that the spell work was steady, Draco began jogging towards the cottage. Finally, they were making progress. Forty-five minutes later, Draco was panting and sweating as they came through the trees in front of the cottage. He carefully lowered a very groggy, also sweating Potter, who grunted a little at the contact with the ground. Stumbling as Harry stood on shaky legs, Draco helped him slump up the steps to the front door. As soon as they walked in the house, Draco lit a fire in the grate and began peeling off his coat. Harry followed warily behind, stopping in front of the bunk beds that Draco had transfigured. Bunk beds? Really? What are we, twelve? Harry was going for scathing, but not having enough energy to get there. Draco just snorted as he added logs to the fire and boiled a kettle for tea. I call top bunk, Harry said, a hint of a challenge beneath his exhaustion. What are you, twelve? Draco countered, enjoying the sniping. He didn't really care, honestly. Harry could be top bunk if it would keep him from running off into the woods again. Harry snorted in response. Then his quiet voice broke through the clinking of teacups and spoons. Was that story real? Or did you just tell me that to get me out of the forest? Draco paused his movements for a moment, not that surprised by the question, but didn't turn around. It was real, he almost whispered. Harry didn't respond, and Draco resumed his fiddling with the teapot when he heard the creaking of the bunk beds as Harry climbed up and collapsed onto the mattress. Draco glanced over at the beds. He hadn't even bothered to change his clothes or take off his scarf or hat. Tea? Draco asked quietly, feeling it would be rude not to offer. But there was no response. Harry had passed out as soon as his head hit the pillow. Draco grabbed his night things and went to change in the small wash closet in the corner of the cottage into his evening ablutions. When he came back out, the room was feeling warmer and it was filled with the soft sounds of Harry's breathing. It was oddly soothing. He drank his tea, conjured a blanket to cover Harry with, then climbed into his own bunk, thinking that maybe today hadn't been a total disaster. He wondered what tomorrow would be before giving in to his own exhaustion and falling asleep. Okay, so Draco found Harry in the forest uh-huh. with the help of Thestrals. Yep. Okay. Mm-hmm. Second Thestral appearance. Yes. Yeah. Well, a little sinister. But who knows? Maybe they were actually helping. Mm. Um, <laughs> or maybe they wanted to eat Harry. Who knows? <laughs> you know what? <laughs> I won't judge them. Yeah. Um, so we did do a few tropes. Mm-hmm. Forced proximity. Mm-hmm. Bed sharing, but we did it with bunk beds, um, which was a little bit funny. (laughs) And then the handshake, Mm -hmm. uh, the rejected handshake of infamy uh, that we've brought back. Did we do that on purpose? I don't even know. I don't think (laughs) think we did. I think it was like three chapters later when we were talking about it. I was like, oh no, we already did that. (laughs) (laughs) Cool. Yeah, it's another one of my favorite uh, moments in the series Mm. where Draco... The stupid offer of his friendship and, and the snooty mm. way in which he does it yeah. and the way Harry rejects him. Yeah. I find um, it really interesting that we brought it back in this 
very specific context. Why? Because it's like, what, you know, is Harry accepting his offer? Like, what does that actually mean in that context? Mm. Like, as before, the offer of friendship and mm. the caveats, and now mm. the offer of help to live. Yeah. Is it friendship? Yeah. Mm. Okay, tell me more about the Draco that you wrote in this chapter. Is he the same Draco we've been seeing all through part one? What do you mean? He's much more confident. He's seems much more capable. Well, I think that's, like, in this particular context, he is very much, like, relying on his work mode. Mm. Yeah, so can you so talk to that So even with his, like, inner flailing of, like, what the fuck am I doing this fucking prat is just like ruining my sabbatical like when it comes down to needing to be in action he's able to fall back on work mode healer draco mode which is very capable did you find it easy to write someone who is trying to convince someone else not to die weirdly yeah yeah i think in both of our professional lives Mm -hmm. we have had that experience Mm -hmm. and um it's not it's not hard for us to imagine, you know, mm. to approach someone who's at their proverbial rock bottom or whatever yeah. or who's in a space that feels so hopeless yeah. and to offer them no judgment, mm. no caveats, no yeah. nothing other than let's just see what happens tomorrow. Yeah, definitely. And yeah. I appreciated the way that you wrote it. It it's very you oddly (laughs) which obviously the readers don't see that coming Mm. through Mm. Uh, and and why did you decide to have him share about his own attempted suicide because i feel like sometimes it's important like when you're especially when you're talking to somebody like that to like like you were saying in the last chapter um having that ability to sit with somebody and share the same kind of experience without having to really explain it. Like, mm. I, I get it, you know, like, you're feeling real fucked up right now, like, same. Um, and to know that there is, like, a life past that point. Well, there can be, certainly. There can be, yeah. I think it's an interesting distinction, because normally, if this were, like, a healer-patient relationship, mm. or even a counselor-patient, you yeah. wouldn't ever share that sort yeah. of thing. It's no. more like, I know, it's, it's very, uh, a moment of vulnerability on... Draco's side that is I think less anticipated Mm. um but I think that's that like delineation where we really didn't want them to have like a patient counselor I was gonna bring that relationship you know we really didn't want them to have that power dynamic between them at all so this Draco's act of vulnerability yeah gives them more equal power yeah exactly it so it becomes less about one of them being the capable one, the one in control, Mm. the one with the answers, and more about two people who are struggling or who have struggled. Yeah. And I think, like, that that was very intentional in that, like, Draco really wanted that to be obvious, that, like, he doesn't have it all together. Yeah. Or hasn't always had it together. (laughs) And that's, you know, a relatable thing for both Mm. of them, and that he's not going to judge. Yeah. Or... Yeah, relatable content. (laughs) Yeah. Um, okay, and this is their first experience of the cabin. Also, we mm. didn't talk about it in the last chapter, but he mm. sees this little stonework mm. cabin in a forest glade with yeah. a living roof in the mm. hollow. Yeah, do you want to? Mm, I love it. <laughs> do you want to talk about our inspiration for that? 
our house (laughs) where we live currently although our house is like a not exactly a cute cabin no no no. it's an apocalypse it's an apocalypse bunker but our garden kind of reminds me of that no definitely Mm. um and then the kitchen as well with like the hanging herbs everywhere and Mm. yeah very much like a middle of nowhere Mm. place very rustic yeah. Mm. I mean, through your reading of the episode, it started to rain, and you can really hear the rain, mm. and I hope it comes through on the... On the, the audio. <laughs> yeah, on the recording. Yeah, definitely. And living out here, so we run on entire solar mm-hmm. and rainwater, and we're totally, like, off-grid, yeah. separated from everywhere. Mm. And um, you get, like, so much more in touch with the outside world and yeah. like the weather the and cycles of the seasons absolutely so i think we tried to really write that mm. into the story um and hopefully it unfolds yeah. and becomes more obvious as chapters go on yeah definitely oh there's one other thing i wanted to bring up um with draco like very blase bringing up his his suicide attempt and like a glimpse into his relationship with pansy mm. um like kind of giving a little bit more information as to like why his friend circle was like so decimated decimated and non-existent because like you know post-war i'm sure pansy was struggling with her own stuff too and then to like you know be so close to her best friend who just tried to kill himself you know Mm. what did she have to do for her own self-care and why don't they have a relationship after that yeah and he doesn't seem bitter about it just sort of the way resigned yeah the way Mm. it ended up being yeah and that's true i think when people go through things and other people are dealing with their own things and everyone has their own trauma. Yeah. Sometimes you have to move away, step back, yeah. do what you need to do to keep healthy. Yeah, definitely. And no judgment there, just it is what it is. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah. Okay, are we ready to keep going? Let's do it. Okay, cool. Okay, bye. Thanks for listening.